live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Yesterday we talked about Robert Receipts Sala refusing to commit to starting Zach Wilson this week, Jets quarterback, which was one of those things that wasn't shocking but a little bit surprising, right? Because as I said yesterday, it was like 10 seconds ago that the Jets beat the Bills. And Zach Wilson actually outplayed Josh Allen in that game. And the Jets were 6-3. and three. And they were in a place where they hadn't been in like a decade. People were feeling great about them. All they needed to do was beat the Patriots and they would take over first in the AFC East. I mean, of all the dramatic things, the Jets, the team to beat in the East, and it was right there. It was a real thing. Seriously. I mean... Essentially, that was as good as things have been for the Jets in a decade or more. Yet, two weeks later, the whole damn house is on fire. Because then the Jets went up to Foxborough and then jetted the hell out of that game. Then Zach Wilson jetted the hell out of his postgame presser. And now this bratty, self-entitled, completely clueless, immature, and the two-word answer that he dropped begs something totally new. Now we have an answer to the question because of that performance, both on and off the field. The answer to the question, is Zach Wilson starting this Sunday against the Bears, is the same answer that he gave when asked if he felt like he let the defense down. Do you feel like you let the defense down at all? No. No. Hey, Zach. Are you starting this weekend against the Bears? No. No. Hey, Zach. Are you starting this weekend against the Bears? No. 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 Dude, you're not. No, no, no. You're not because, according to a Schefter tweet this morning, quote, breaking during a team meeting minutes ago, Jets players were informed that Zach Wilson is not starting. Sunday's game versus the Bears. Sources tell ESPN. Wilson, who had a 5-2 record as a starting QB this season with both losses coming versus the Patriots, is being benched. End of quote. Say what? Bench the Zach. Bench the salt. Bench the entitled brat. Bench the salt. Bench the brat. Bench the salt. You know, I'll tell you, I think that it's a brass call by the head coach, but it's the right call. Here's Bob Sala at the podium announcing who will actually be starting the game this week. Uh, we're going to roll with Mike White. Why? Um, you know, it's the same same things we talked about when we elevated him to the second spot. Uh, um, I got it. it feels like three, three or four weeks ago. Uh, just, you know, we know he's fully capable. He's started in this league. He's won games for us. And um, and we just want to give him an opportunity. Let me translate that. He's not Zach. Quote, we're going to roll with Mike White. Why? He's not Zach. Okay. That's that. That's easy enough. Quote, we're going to roll with Mike White. Why? He's not Zach. Listen, Salah had a choice here. He could risk losing his locker room or he can risk hurting his quarterback's feelings. And if you think about it like that, that's not that tough a call because the Jets, not named Zach Wilson, 
are ready to win right now. So, of course, they should try to win right now and not let the dude who is single-handedly trying to wreck their season succeed in wrecking their season. Just because this guy is 5-2 and two does not mean they were winning because of him. In fact, they weren't. They were winning in spite of him. Because this season, Zach Wilson is making Sam Darnold look generational. He's making Mark Sanchez... What up, Mark? He's making Mark Sanchez look like the damn goat. Mark is basically Tom Brady. What's up, Mark? Mark is basically Tom Brady compared to Zach Wilson. Zach has been so bad this season that he's got analysts comparing him to the biggest bus in NFL history. And honestly, his numbers don't even square up with some of the biggest busts in NFL history. I mean, he really is having one of the worst quarterback seasons ever. So now he's going to sit his ass on the bench because of that. And because of his attitude and his inability to lead or own anything at all or be accountable for anything at all. The guy just doesn't get it, is what I'm saying. Does not get it. So it's the right move for the team. It's absolutely the right move for the team, but it's also the right move for the guy. Because if a dude ever needed a wake-up call, it's this dude. Right now, Zach is not just jacking up the Jets' season. He's practically jacking up his Jets' career. Wake up. So maybe this entire situation is exactly what this guy needs. Maybe the entire situation finally wakes this guy the hell up. Hey, I'm all for Mike White getting a shot here. But to me, it would seem pretty shocking if Mike White makes it through the final seven games. Maybe. But that's not ideal. What I'm trying to say here is, this is not the end for Wilson. I'm not giving up on this guy. There's still time for this guy to get right. But he's got to get right. He's got to get the message. He's got to correct his attitude. He's got to clean up his act. He's got to take responsibility. He's got to show accountability. He's got to grow the hell up. He's got to be a professional. None of these things are happening right now. If that starts to happen and happens quickly, maybe then he reclaims his job. Maybe then he re-earns the respect of the locker room, if in fact he ever had it. Which is why this is the right move at the right time for Bob Sala. Precisely because it's not too late. Precisely because there's still time. They can still be a playoff team. They can still have a great season. As for Zach Wilson, dude, you are on the clock, and you are running out of time. It's not too late, but you're running on the t- out of time. And you're on the verge of blowing an amazing opportunity in an amazing town with an amazing fan base and with a roster that is talented and ready to win right now and with a good, young, aggressive coach. It's all still in place for you, Zachary. You just have to stop Effing everything up. Uh, we're going to roll with Mike White. Why? Because it's not Zach. I like that move. Now, how is that going to impact Jim Rome's big head bets with the big head? We were crunching the numbers and the analytics and doing all of our work late into the night, and that broke this morning. So now what? We'll see. 
Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender. And it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness. Teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see exactly what you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Kevin Willard is my guest. Kevin, it is great to have you on the show. How are you? No, thanks for having me, Jim. Excited to be here. It's good to have you here. I appreciate it. So it is early, but you are out quickly, as I mentioned. You win your first five games. I'm curious, Kevin, what's the move been like for you personally? And do you have any sense yet of exactly what you have in the group that you're coaching? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's been a whirlwind. Um, I think anytime you take over uh, a job, you're kind of you're kind of getting your staff set up. You're getting your you got to get your roster set. You got to get the schedule set. Um, but I've, you know, our staff has really worked hard early on to put together a roster um, of great kids, kids that wanted to be at the University of Maryland, um, local guys. Uh, and I have a group that's, that works extremely hard. But, Jim, to be honest with you, there are a bunch of guys that have such a great attitude. They want to learn. They want to get better. Uh, and they're just a fun group to coach. So it's it's been a phenomenal experience to become the head coach of the University of Maryland, but it's been even a better experience coaching these guys so far. I like that, Kevin. So when you talk about being the head coach of Maryland, you're right. I mean, it's such a great, great program. In fact, to give you a sense, you're taking over a program that was 15 and 17 last season, but that was their first losing season since 1993. That tells you all you need to know about the stellar tradition there. So how do you approach the challenge? I mean, are you looking to rebuild or maybe just kind of reshape? The program. Yeah, I, I I don't think we need to rebuild. I think it's more or less you know reshape and rebrand a little bit. Um, for me, the way I look at it is you know I I, I played college basketball in the late '90s, early 2000s, and uh, watching the Maryland teams, Gary Williams coach teams, Steve Blake, Stevie Francis, uh, all those guys that in the in that era when I was playing, I used to watch the Maryland games and be like, man, that that, that is some cool basketball. Uh, and for me having the opportunity to take take over this job the, the way I'm looking at it is just kind of want to get back to the, those those old school Maryland teams where uh, we're having fun we're running up and down shooting a lot of threes getting after it on defense um, because that's kind of what I what I remember what Maryland basketball is all about you know the Gary William era so um, that's what we're doing and we're kind of rebranding we're having a lot of fun and we have a group that's kind of you know starting off the right way. Kevin Willard joining us. I'm glad you mentioned Gary Williams. I loved him. I loved having him on the show. I loved watching his teams play. Now, when you mentioned you played college ball, of course you played for your father, Ralph, who is a legend and a beloved figure in the game. He had been the head coach at Western Kentucky, Pitt, Holy Cross. I mean, you and I could spend an entire program on that topic alone, but what was it like to not only grow up as a coach's son, but to play for your dad? 
I mean, growing up, growing up, a coach's son is actually one of the coolest things. I, I always say, I, I mean, I was blessed. I mean, he obviously worked hard and he was gone and, you know, he missed some things. But, you know, I, I was a ball boy for the New York Knicks when I was in seventh and eighth grade. Um, I was in the Carrier Dome as, you know, running around the Carrier Dome with Sherman Douglas when I was in sixth grade. Uh, and then I was, you know, in Kentucky and Western Kentucky watching his teams. And then, um, you know, playing for him was interesting. Um, I, I always I tell every father that's, that wants their son to play for him, either he better be the best player or he better be the worst player. Um, I was a good college player. I wasn't great. I wasn't bad. Um, I think I put a lot of pressure on him um, at Pitt because I was, just an, I was just a good player. I was a good role player. Um, so it was a lot of fun growing up a coach's son. I think it was difficult playing for him just because it was, you know, I just wasn't that great of a player. I'm talking with Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com, who is describing the businesses that have benefited from a tax refund via the Employee Retention Credit, the ERC, through the IRS. What kind of companies have come through as a result of hearing me talk about this message on the air? Can you give me some examples? We have a uh, Best Pizza. It's in Brooklyn, New York, 12 employees. We were able to qualify them for $56,000. We were able to gap another $56,000 for them, and they were ecstatic. We had a medical professional company in San Diego with 250 employees get $3.5 million. Their workforce was deemed non-essential by the government. And so they had a huge revenue decrease and that's how they qualified. And they they are one of the groups that really maximized this credit. We've got a group in Kansas that's also an employment agency. They've got 72 employees. We able to get them $167,000. And that's just three of the companies that OmegaTaxCredits.com has helped. There is time still for you to apply and determine if your small business qualifies for a tax refund like this. You've weathered the pandemic and the economy. So see if you qualify. Omega Tax taxcredits.com. I think, Kevin, that's a really interesting response that your advice would be either be the best player or be the worst player, but not in between. That's really interesting. So aside from that, like, what are some of the biggest lessons you learned from him both on and off the floor? Well, I think the biggest lesson I learned, you know, is just, just how, how he was with his players. Um, I always admired, um, you know, he was always tough on him on the court, but I, I always admired how much uh, time and how much compassion he had off the court with them. He was like two totally different people. He was very intense, um, demanded a lot of his players on the court, but um, was a father figure, was really a guy that um, they could go to and talk to about, would spend time with them. Uh, and that's kind of what I took from him more than anything was, um, you know, how to, how, to, how to deal with players, how to deal with families, uh, how much time to put into their families while still putting in the right amount of time with his family. Um, it was really the, the life balance of being a coach and a father that I learned how to be successful in this job. Maryland head basketball coach Kevin Ward joining us. They're 5-0. and oh. You know, Kevin, you talk about demanding and intense. That brings me to Rick Pitino, who also has been a mentor and a close family friend. You were an assistant for Rick both with the Celtics and Louisville. What do you admire most about Rick in his Hall of Fame career? I, I tell everybody this, Jim, I, and I don't think people really quite understand it, um, Coaches, Coach Patino is the hardest working person that I, that's probably ever coached the game of basketball. Um, there, he never took he never took a day off. Um, so that mean that meant as an assistant you could never take a day off. Um, it was 365 days a year. Um, it was unbelievable intensity. He, he he never came into the office and was tired. He never he never did individual instruction. He never did practice. He never showed up to a game. And he never looked tired. He was if anything. As the season went on, he got more and more energized, and he got more and more 
energy. It was just something that I always marveled at. You know, he was, he's an unbelievable teacher of the game. He is uh, an unbelievable loyal person, but his energy for the game of basketball, his energy for his program is unmatched even right now at his age, at age 70. Kevin, that's incredible. Like, how could a guy like that, and I understand that he demanded conditioning and the players take care of themselves and their bodies and their minds, but how could a guy go that hard and never, ever even seem tired? I mean, I get that he loved it. I get that he was motivated and fueled by it, but how is that possible? Like, how how did he... How do you pull that off? <laughs> Jim, I'll be honest. I, used to, I started drinking red, red wine just because I thought maybe that was a secret sauce of how <laughs> right. he, he constantly got better and better as the season went on. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, just, I, I think you nailed it. He has a great passion for the game. He loves teaching the game of basketball, and I think that's really where his energy comes is he loves those three hours of practice where he gets to spend and he gets to be the guy that's teaching the game of basketball. Um, he always said that, that, you know, he got it from Hubie Brown, and that's the way Hubie was. So, um, But I do find it, I tell everybody, it's an unmatched energy, and that when you're around him, I think that's why so many people gravitate to him, is because he has an energy that is just unmatched. He does. Hubie, too. Hubie always had that same energy. Kevin Willard joining us. So, Kevin, you take on your first Big Ten opponent next Friday when you host Illinois, and then you follow that up with a trip to Wisconsin on December 6th. After all the success you had in the Big East at Seton Hall, do you have a sense yet? How would you compare the depth and quality and competition in the Big Ten? How does that look to you, top to bottom? Yeah, it's, that's you know, it's, that's keeping me up at night, Jim. Yeah. Um, it, this conference for good reason, right? Know, <laughs> this conference is 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 brutal. Um, if you just look at just Kempom numbers, you look at what, who's ranked, um, the depth of this league, the the amount of coaching, um, the players in it, um, the size of the size of the players, you know, just top to bottom. Um, I think is something that, you know, luckily I, I the Big East is, is an unbelievable basketball conference itself. Um, but I think this is something that, you know, us going through it the first time, the travel for us is a little bit different, you know, because we're on the East Coast, um, you know, going to Wisconsin, going to Nebraska, uh, even the Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State trips are a little bit longer. But it's a challenge I'm looking forward to. I, you know, I'm excited to be part of the Big Ten. I think it's the best basketball conference. So um, it's definitely a challenge, but that's, that's kind of what it's all about. And then, Kevin, like we said at the very top, you love your guys and you love the way that they're working for you and they're great to be around. Let me ask you about one guy in particular, your senior forward, Dante Scott. seems like he's elevated his game. He's had career highs so far in rebounds and points per game. He's shooting 85% from the line. How critical is he to both the team and to you and your staff? Yeah, he's, you know, I, I recruited Dante out of high school, and I always, like, I just, there, there was always something I just loved about him. And now that I've got to coach him, you know, he plays so hard, and he has such, he has such a toughness. It kind of, his personality and my personality on the floor really get along. And um, I think that's why we're meshing so well together, because he just plays so darn hard. He's got a, uh, he's extremely skilled, but he's just a, he's a, He's a matchup nightmare. If you tr- you put someone small on him, we're going to post you up. If you put someone big on him, put him on the perimeter and let him shoot. Um, he's he, again, he's he's really worked hard on his body. He lost 25 pounds since I got here. Um, he's really dedicated himself to the game, and and he's getting rewarded because again, just like everybody else on this roster, he's working his butt off. So something to that, like we, he's been rewarded for it. Like if you respect the game and you treat the game a certain way, there's something to that, right? Like not to get too foo-foo about the whole thing, but if you respect the game, the game will reward you. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, it's something that I, I think it's true in life, Jim. I mean, if you put if you put the hard work in, you keep putting in, and you do it with a great attitude, even when things aren't going your way. And Dante's had some ups and downs, um, even even since I've been here. But he's he stayed with a great attitude. He stayed working. Um, I just think if you work hard and you have a great attitude, good things are going to happen. All right, so Maryland's going to host Coppin State on Friday. They are 5-0. and They are ranked 23rd in the country. Their head coach is Kevin Wood. Kevin, I don't know why we didn't do that sooner. That was a lot of fun. We have to do that again soon. I really appreciate the time and appreciate the conversation. That was a lot of fun. No, thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great. It's an honor to be here with you. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. I know you know about it because the second I got mine and I started talking about it, people were rushing up on me like they knew. They wanted to talk about it. It's because the egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. I'm telling you, you can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. Yes, try a pizza on the egg. It will amaze you. It works. It's incredible. So stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. It gets old. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll. With an authentic big green egg. It is a ceramic marvel. It's backed by a lifetime warranty. That's right. A lifetime warranty. It is simple to light. It is easy to use. It works without a power source. You don't have to plug anything in. So with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. How cool is that? And it makes a great gift. And they've got two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered right to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's how I did it. It was an awesome experience. That's BigGreenEgg.com. And yes, you will thank me later. The East Coast Lakers were in action last night, which means Ben Simmons was back in town. And everything was set up perfectly for Ben himself, mostly because the Sixers were missing their three best players, Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, all out for Philly. On the other hand, the Nets, KD, Kyrie, Ben, all available for Brooklyn. So no problem at all, right? A perfect setup for the black and white Titanic, right? That Titanic is going to float right through this evening. Obvious dub for the Nets, right? Am I right, fellas? No, sir. The Nets did not win last night in Philly. In fact, they didn't even come close. They didn't even compete until the end of the game. Brooklyn jerked the so-called alleged quote-unquote big three out with over three minutes left in the fourth quarter. So, just to recap quickly, the Sixers capped the KD, Kyrie, Ben Simmons-led Nets without Joel, Harden, or Maxey. And they didn't even need the full 48 to do so. They beat Brooklyn's ass in 45 minutes. And maybe the craziest part of all is that Ben Simmons actually did show up. And, of course, Philly fan booed his ass every single time he touched the rock. But Ben actually responded, well, positively. Like, he had a pretty good night. He scored 11. And for Ben, that's like a half a season's worth of work. 
11, but added 11 dimes, seven boards, three block shots, and three steals. He even had a trip to the free throw line where he hit both free throws. Again, for Ben, incredible. If that guy even draws iron from the free throw line, that's a win. I'm not even being sarcastic. Like, he had a good game. He had a pretty good game. At least until the fourth quarter when he did what he always does. He disappeared. In the fourth quarter, he had no points, he had no assists, and he had no rebounds. But at least he gave them three good quarters, which was three more than any of his teammates, who all came together to show Ben the support and solidarity of completely sleepwalking through his big Philly reunion. I mean, did you really expect any of his teammates to say, yo, dog, we got you. We got you. We got your back. No way we send you in there and we don't come out of here with a win. We got you. And besides, how hard could it be? They're missing their three best players and we've got everybody. We got you. (laughs) I mean, Ben might have been the best net last night. And that's not really saying much, right? And yet, despite it all, and this is incredible, he still found himself right in the middle of a classic Ben moment. In fact, it instantaneously became an all-time Philly sports moment. That's not easy to do. I'm talking about an all-time Philly sports moment. Because while Ben did have a good trip to the line, he also had a really bad trip. And I mean a really, really bad trip for him but an amazing trip for Philly fan because Philly fan got free chicken from Ben out of the deal. Ben Simmons foul called on the Anthony Melton and they call it brickin' for chicken. And if you miss two in the second half, nuggets for everyone. So that's why they're so fired up. And Giannis Antetokounmpo obliged a couple of days ago, and now Ben Simmons will feed them all here. TNT, brickin' for chicken. Man, these promotions generally are so dumb, but that is such a genius promotion. If only they had something like that set up for Brooklyn for the home fans. That would actually give them a reason to show up. Bring Brickin for chicken to Brooklyn, and maybe, just maybe, the Nets will be able to finally sell some tickets. I mean, what a moment for you, Philly fan. I mean, I know it's been an incredible roller coaster ride of late. I mean, for a second, it looked like you were about to rip a World Series. Bryce Harper dropping epic bombs. Peak Philly heckler going viral. They were literally breaking out vats of Crisco for the light poles. And then it all went to hell. Then it all fell apart. Then the Eagles tried to pick up Philly fan. Peak Eagle tailgate, bro. Went viral. The Eagles had a look at a perfect season. And then Taylor Heineke rolled into town and then screwed everything up for them too. But, but, it's okay. Now it's all so clear to me. All that hype was just a setup, bricking. For chicken. Brickin for chicken. After all, what means more? I mean, sure, a World Series would have been pretty cool. An undefeated NFL season would have been awesome. But Ben Simmons winning the entire arena free chicken by brickin for that chicken 
and missing two free throws in a row. Now that right there is priceless. If I'm the Philly PD and I see this guy clank that second throw, I'm definitely running out there on my horse and getting to the lampposts and greasing the hell out of them. Free chicken for everybody. Because that's the kind of story that Philly fan is going to tell Philly grandchildren and Philly great-great-grandchildren. Where were you when Ben came home and went brickin' for chicken? Everybody will remember where they are. That's the kind of moment that lives on forever. So good for you, Philly fan. I'm so happy for y'all. You deserve that. You deserve that more than anybody. I'm going to say personally my favorite moment of the entire night happened after the game. Maybe even more so than brickin' for chicken. Because during KD's presser, he was exactly right in describing the way everybody feels about the Nets right now. Yes, I said it. KD was exactly right in the way he described the way we all feel about the Nets. But he was exactly wrong in explaining why we all feel that way about the Nets. You know, everybody wants to see our team fail. Nobody likes Ben. Nobody likes Kat. Nobody likes myself. So it might be like that in every road arena. You know what I'm saying? So it's just something we got to deal with. But I thought he did a great job of just handling it and playing his game. And we had chances to win, but we just didn't. Why do you think you guys are so disliked? Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of stuff that probably factor into it. I mean, but that when a fan, when the fan, NBA fans don't like you, they really got love for you. But it's just misplaced love, I guess. That is amazing. What an amazing display of being incredibly right and incredibly wrong at the exact same time. I mean, yeah, you're right. Pretty much everybody does want to see your team fail. Pretty much nobody likes you guys. That's true. Nobody likes you guys. They all want you to fail. Those are true statements. He's also right when he says there's, quote, a lot of stuff that probably factors into, end quote, why so many people don't like that team and want them to fail. You know, a lot of stuff. Way too much stuff to address right here. There aren't enough hours in the day to address all the reasons why people hate the Nets. But I can give you a start. You want to start somewhere? There is all the conspiracy theories, the anti-Semitism, the part-time playing, the no-time playing, the saying, we don't need a head coach, we can coach ourselves. And then trying to get that head coach fired along with the GM. And then successfully getting the head coach fired. And then trying to get the GM to hire a suspended head coach. You know, all those things. All the way up to most recently calling your teammates essentially trash that nobody can win with. Yeah, so just a few things off the top of my head why people want you to lose. People don't like you. So yeah, there is a lot of stuff that factors in. I can also say with total and complete confidence that you are wrong when you say it's not misplaced love. Wrong. No, I mean, when you say they don't like us, but it's actually misplaced love. Misplaced love. They just don't like you, dude. They don't like you. Now, you know I don't root, and I definitely do not actively seek out teams to root against. But I have no time for this clown show. And yet... I have to keep spending time on this clown show because it only gets clownier and clownier every damn day. Which is why we need way less nets on national television. 
way less nets. And I'm not going to be the guy to point out a problem and then not offer a corresponding solution. The problem is the nets. The problem is they keep getting on national TV. Here is your solution. Stop putting them on national TV and give us more of the Sacktown legends. You think I forgot about you, Sacramento. You think that I would leave you hanging, Kings fan. I see you working, Sacktown. I see you picking up a seventh straight dub in Memphis last night. I see you sitting in the third spot overall in the West, Sacktown. I see you number one in the NBA in scoring, number one in the NBA in field goal percentage, number three in the Western Conference overall, 16 games in. Fun as hell. And they're not hot. They're good. They're not hot. They're good. They're legit. They might be better than good. Get the Nets the hell off my TV and put the Kings on. That's how you fix that problem. Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender. And it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness. Teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see exactly what you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Remember, clones, not all beef jerky is the same. Old Trapper's original old-fashioned teriyaki, hot and spicy and peppered, all come in four-ounce bags. So you can sample different flavors and find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? All right, I'm going to go back to the old format. I am not starting with your phone calls. I'm starting with your social media beef. Fan Smack, I have beef with TV news this time of year. Every year around this time, they tell us record numbers of people are traveling and how much the Thanksgiving dinner cost this year. Great reporting, Sherlock. People travel to see family and things get more expensive every year. How about you break some news on the grass being green, the sky blue, and Parody Larry being on hold. Happy Thanksgiving to Rome. The XR4TI and the jungle mark in parts unknown. It's a good start. I like this guy. Dear Jim, my beef. Okay, now remember, you can tell already, it doesn't have to be about your favorite team or the team you hate most or sports at all. It can be about anything you want. Dear Jim, my beef is with everyone who shops at Costco except me. A trip to Costco requires extensive pre-planning with military-style execution. Dragging all of your kids there is bogging down the operation and is no different than letting them play on the freeway. 
Also, stopping for every free sample from here to the door is not within mission parameters. Get in there, rescue the hostages, and get out. War fully insured shopping carts. Scott in Anaheim, well done. I like that. Mr. Rome, I have a beef with my sister. She's 25 years old and never got her driver's license. Anytime we have to go home for the holidays, I'm always signed up without even a simple please to cart her home. She dictates when we leave. She picks the music. We have to stop and get what she wants to eat, but you know what she doesn't do? Cough up any gas money. Lyle in Pittsburgh. Dude, that sucks. That is legitimate beef. I mean, like, legitimate. Legitimate family beef. I feel you. Dear Jimbo, I've got a beef with sunglasses guy. It's nothing but gray clouds and rain on the horizon. Leave your gas station fake Maui's in the console, my dude. Grant in Dallas. It's good to hear from Dallas. I like it. This one is directed to Bean Casserole Master. My beef is with the repulsive pigs who eat the turkey skin alone. You pig. Years back, my father came into the kitchen, scalped the wife's turkey. The wife? Wait, you mean your mom? Years back, my father came into the kitchen, scalped the wife's turkey, walked out with the entire back of skin, a beer and a salt shaker. The wife was irate. Dad, we know you lived through the Depression. Walked 10 miles to school in six feet of snow. Fought the Nazis and ate with Ike, but that was a filthy, disgusting act. Unwar turkeys with no skin. Ron in Colorado. I don't, I don't know, dude. I don't find that offensive. Skin's not bad. Unless you take all of it. I mean, is your problem with dad left no skin because you like the skin? Or is your problem the skin is disgusting and that's all he ate and then didn't eat the turkey? Because that's how that reads to me. Alpha Romeo. Dude, that's good. Alpha Romeo. Jan Rome had an Alpha Romeo back in the day. Let me digress really quickly. So when I'm growing up, my dad, Jay Rome... My Boston side never, ever wanted a nice rig, never wanted a nice whip, was all about the American whips, nothing wrong with American cars, but I'll never forget my dad. He would always say, who do I have to impress? I've got nobody to impress. I'm like, dad, you own the business. You have a nice life. You got a few bucks in the bank. You know, maybe you upgrade that Oldsmobile. It's not a great look. He's like, why don't you wake the hell up? Who do I have to impress? That was my dad, which I had profound respect for now, now that I know what he was talking about. My mom, on the other hand, now Jan, Jan likes sports cars. Jan likes sports cars. So whereas he never drove anything other than a Buick or an Oldsmobile, Jan liked to get nice. Jan had Porsches. Jan had a 240Z when that was a badass car. And Jan had an Alfa Romeo. 
That was a piece of crap, man. Beautiful car, but she had a lemon. And that thing, that was always in the shop. The Alpha. Always. I mean, that's like on par with the XR4TI, her Alfa Romeo. So that's why I'm laughing at this guy addressing it to Alfa Romeo. My beef is with the jack wagons who post no trespassing signs like we don't dial 911 or I have a shotgun and a backhoe. When did we collectively decide that our stuff required lethal force to protect? I'm just here to deliver your 500 pounds of dog food. And I have to have my head on a swivel just in case your itchy trigger finger doesn't realize I'm the mailman. Chris in Montana, strong. That's a good beef. Mr. Jim Rome, my beef is with adults who still plan out their birthday parties. You're 42 years old. You should not be planning out your birthday three months in advance, nor requesting sloppy joes be made. Get out of your childhood room, find a significant other, and grow the hell up, you weirdo. Patrick in Alabama wore the 2023 beef off. Dan Smack. My beef is with a group of people who stand in front of the elevator doors when they open. How the hell do you expect me to get out of the elevator if you're blocking the only exit? Have some common sense and let the people who are already on the elevator exit first, you buttholes. Alvi, cue the butthole montage. Scat Wars, Jungle Tourette's, War, Discharging the Judies. Discharge the Judies. Brandon in the ABQ. Jim, my beef is with family members who want to host Thanksgiving dinner and can't cook. Just open the can of cranberry sauce, sit your ass down, and leave it to those that know how to cook. Pat in Sacktown. Buster, quote, my beef is people who look at my texts over my shoulder. Hey, losers, if I wanted you to read my text, I would show it to you. Also, that school up north, our team sucks like your coach's smack-off call. Big game. Hey, by the way, Ryan Day, I'm not saying that he has to win that game because he's only lost once to that team up north, but my guy Ryan Day better win that game. Ohio State needs to win that game. He needs to win that game. They need that game. Tell that clone to get a life. I'm not even rooting. I'm just saying from that, from Ohio State standpoint, they best win that game. They're in the shoe. They're big-time favorites. They got beat last year. They need that one. Pimp in the box. My beef is with say that three times fast guy. It's so corny. Only Rit and Parody Larry still find that funny. Worst part is when this bag actually proceeds to say said word three times fast, and I've got to stand there and try to muster a half smile just to be polite. Tony in Redwood. Pimp in the box. My beef is with our Wisco white-tailed deer. 
I understand you can smell my stale Miller beer and bratwurst stained clothes from a mile away, but I managed to drag my fat, hungover ass up this tree in 20-degree weather. The least that you can do is walk slowly past me so I can flinch several times and wing some high-powered ammo above and below you as you gently wander off, at which point I'll get pissed, head back to play cards with the guys who didn't bother walking up, waking up. Mike and Wisco, dude. Dude, we're not... I'm not about that life. I'm not saying you're wrong to be about that life. I'm just saying I'm not about that life. Don't drag that hour. You mean hour like you and me, our Wisco, or your Wisco? I'm not going to drag ass up into the tree and wait for one of the white tails to saunter on by. But you can, dude. Your time, your life, your tree. Hey, Van Smack, my beef is actually my wife's beef. Getting angry that I finish show drops before they happen live. She says, insert white voice, why listen if you already know what's going to happen? War, bench the wife. Bench the salt. Hashtag, what's your beef? Haunted horse, Jim. My beef is with whoever invented green bean casserole. Green beans. Swimming in cream of mushroom soup. It's on the table. I start to get nauseous. So I turn my head and I look away, but then I get a whiff. It stinks. So gross. It will be waiting for me there tomorrow. That's the leader in the clubhouse. How do I describe what green bean casserole tastes like? I'm normally a wordsmith, but the word's not coming to mind. Oh, yes, it is. Ass. Green bean acerole. I hate that stuff. That's the worst part of Thanksgiving, honestly. Let's try the calls. 1-800-636-8686. We go to Virginia. Mark in Virginia. Mark, what is your beef? Hey, Hemi. My beef is with my scrambled eggs. I go to make them, and inevitably one of the shells goes rogue on me into the goo. You can't use a fork. So I have to give it the finger and swim around in that goo and fish it out, only to find out after I'm done and they're all soft and chewy, I get something nice and crunchy because another shell has gone camo and hit it under the yolk. Come on, eggshells. Get better. Come on, eggshells. Get better. It's the eggshells' fault. It's the A. A. Uh, a. Mark. What's this eggshell doing in my goo? Uh, I think the backstroke, sir. It's not the eggshells' fault, dude. 1-800-636-8686. Is there anything easier to cook than scrambled eggs? Jeffrey, where is he, South Carolina? South Carolina, Jeffrey, good to have you. What's your beef? Hey, Jim, my beef is with people that's too lazy to get out the car and check their mail when they get off work. Instead, they pull the car right up to the mailbox, blocking traffic and everything else. It's a safety hazard and it's dangerous. Just park the car, get out, check the mail, go about your day. It's not that hard, right? I'm with you. Jeffrey, 1-800-636-8686. I know this gal has beef. 
Kathleen in Omaha. Kathleen, what is your beef? Green Bay, more specifically the ass bleeps who booed Aaron. They are ungrateful chump stains after all Aaron has done. This is how they treat him. I always knew they are unworthy of him. I ought to clean their souls in napalm. Aaron needs to lead the land of fat, buzz, pot, guts, stupid old nuts. Yeehaw! Yeehaw, Kathleen! She obviously thinks that Aaron's handsome. She's very thirsty. She defends all of her men. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Austin. Otis in Austin. Otis, my man, what is your beef? Romy Rome. My beef today is with all these haters who constantly crack on Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I know Jerry's a skinned-up 80-year-old billionaire hillbilly who has a knack for letting his mouth overload his ass. For the last several years in mid-December, Jerry offers up his stadium to allow all the Texas high school football teams to play their state championship games from morning to night for four straight days. Jerry spreads a lot of much-needed love and joy to all the kids and parents and fans of Texas high school football and gives them all great memories that last a lifetime. Stop the hate. Double war, Jerry Jones. Rack me, Jimothy. I'm out. I'll do it. Rack him. Rack him. Otis in Austin. I like it. Keep it up. We're not there yet. Let's go to Little Rock. John in Little Rock. John, what's going on with your beef? You want beef? I got beef. You want beef? I got beef with everybody eating turkey. You want a trap for beef? Then you got to come and jerk me. I mean jerk me. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. So John and Little Rock actually tried to go parody in the beef segment, and it almost worked. Until he said the phrase and dropped the lyric, then you got to come and jerk me. That's not okay. At least not on this show. 1-800-636-8686. Let's try no cow. Garrett, good to have you. Garrett, what's your beef? Rome, legend. My beef is with all the Raider fans calling for McDaniels to be fired before his first season is over. Morons. It takes a while for a new system to work out the kinks before it runs like a well-oiled machine. Just give it time. For now, bask in the ambience of the crap show that is the 2022 Raiders, but the autumn wind is coming. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm out. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. There is an optimistic Raider fan saying it's going to be all right. Everybody chill the hell out. Everybody chill the hell out. It's going to be okay. See if there's any other social media worth getting to. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Susie from Wisco is in. Hey, Jim. I have beef with green bean casserole haters. It is a Midwest comfort food that hails the start of the holidays. Dare I say as much as, if not more than, the lighting of the tree in Times Square. Really? But it tastes like ass, Susie, regardless of what it signifies. Rome, 
I got to get some Canadian beef in here. Rome, my beef is with the idiots who start breaking for a green light 50 feet away, and once it turns yellow, they punch it and they go through, leaving me behind at the red light. What really pisses me off is that we both would have gotten through on the green had they not started breaking in the first place. Gary in Calgary. Legit. Rome Slice. Turkey skin is fine. I have a major beef with these savages that eat gizzards and the turkey heart. That will get me to puke on my lap faster than Space Jam 2. Geoff in Lincoln. Greg Lauman, quote, my beef is when you use the refrigerator ice dispenser to fill your water bottle and believe that you've captured all the ice in the chute, but no, a lone cube drops to the floor and explodes into a thousand tiny pieces. That's different. JC in Calgary, my beef is with turkey. The Derek Carr of Thanksgiving main courses. So much pre-meal hype, but never lives up to its potential. War Canada beating Belgium today in unwar U.S. Americans getting fatter tomorrow. All right. I mean, Canada, you did throw the first punch. It used to be that the, quote, U.S. Americans always started things with you. That guy started it. I don't even want to be that, well, you started it. He started it. She started it. That guy just threw an unprovoked punch by calling us fat. I mean, we are. He's not wrong. Let's go back to the phones. I kind of like going back and forth. That's, this works best, going back and forth. Let's go to Stockton. Zach in Stockton. Good to have you, Zach. What's your beef? Hey, Romy. We appreciate the love up here in Sacktown, but my beef is with that bag from Citrus Heights who called in last week trying to put out the fire in us Kings fans after peeling off five straight. Hey, bag in Citrus Heights, you heard Cowbell Jim. That's seven straight, three against playoff teams, one against the Warriors, the champs. And hey, bag in Citrus Heights, you live in Citrus Heights. That's the city where they send all the homeless when Doko sidewalks get too crowded. War the Bean Team, 12-4 and four ATS, War Cowtown sniffing the playoffs. For the first time in 17 years, anything is possible! Rock him, Zach in Stockton. You got that Rock bag him. in Citrus Heights. You got that bag. It's seven now. It's seven. I said it. Get the nets off my TV and put the Kings on. Bag in Citrus Heights. The beef segment, we continue. Let's go to Ogden. Fred in Ogden. Fred, what's your beef? Hey, what's up, Jim? My beef is I'm a UPS driver, and I get tired of these FedEx ground and Amazon untrained kooks. I know we get to park in places that people don't, and we still have to have respect for others that's out there. And then when people are nice enough to put candy and drinks out for us, these kooks take the good stuff and one or more before I get to the neighborhood. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Happy Thanksgiving. My man, happy Thanksgiving. Y'all got that, kooks? It's not for you. Stop it. Stop it, kooks. Those treats were for me. Stop it, kooks. Good job, dude. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. You're going to let this guy through. Why the hell not? It's Thanksgiving. Parody Larry. 
coming through with a beef. Lawrence, what is your beef? Jim, my beef is with Zach Wilson. You better get your act together. You went and ran your mouth, then played like crap and blamed the weather. You have no freaking clue, so New England went and put you in the ground. Your team is struggling, and the fans are going to run you out of town. I'm sure Roman Big Head will tell it like it is after the Patriots choked you out. Don't go betting on the Jets. Ah. That's not a good no. I was going to say, like Larry, like where's the parody? That's just a, ba- a bad song that you're making up, like you're rapping, like that's some kind of freeform or improv. But it was a Benny and the Jets parody that he finally got to. I just thought it was just a terrible song that you were making up and just kind of singing out your ass. I'm not ending on that. How could I do that? Let's go to NoCal. Kevin in NoCal. Kevin, good to have you. What's your beef? My beef is with DoorDash customer where there's absolutely no parking at their apartment complex. And they still make us come up to the fourth, fifth, sixth floor and drop their food off. Get off your lazy and come down and grab the food yourself. Good point, dude. I feel you. I feel you. Kevin in NoCal. What are we supposed to do? There's no place to park. Get your ass down here. Get your food. 1-800-636-8686. Almost done. Not quite yet. Let's go to Buffalo, Margo. Margo, what is your beef? Hello, Romafia. You know, you're always big on phones down, heads up. So for all you travelers out there, wake up, arrive alive, don't text and drive. Happy Thanksgiving to y'all, and go Bill. Okay, Margo. Goodbye. We done here, Chalk? That was more of an actual public service announcement or an announcement from NHTSA than it was an actual beef, but thank you for that. And one of our best pals, Cruz Pedragon. Cruz, my brother, it is great to reconnect. What's up, Cruz? How you doing? Romy, what is up? Hey, man, it's so good to be back on your show, Romy. Man, it's uh, it's been a while, but... Hey, we're back. Thank you for having us. Dude, you look incredible. I love it. Check it out. So how you living? How's the fam? And how's the team doing, Cruz? You know, Jim, we had a rough year, I'll be honest with you. We weren't getting it done. So right in the middle of the season, we decided to change the car setup a little bit and finish strong. And you know what? We won the last race. So we have three months to uh, to uh, to enjoy the win, Jim. But it was a it was a it was a fun year, but it was a trying year for us. So we went from ninth at the last race to sixth in the point standing. So it was a good finish. But hey, we're doing good, Romy, out here in Southern California. We actually went to uh, to Javier's uh, Newport the other day, and we're thinking about with I mean, we, maybe we'll run into Romy out there. But uh, it's we're we're doing good, Jim. Just uh, you know, enjoying the off season and getting ready, uh, getting ready to enjoy a turkey day. All right, Cruz. There is so much good stuff in that response. So was that your first time ever to Javier's in Newport Beach, or had you been there before? Been there. I think that was the third time. And then I remember you said you were there and you saw, uh, did you say you saw uh, uh, Andy Reid? Uh, Andy Reid. Andy Reid. You said you saw Andy Reid there. Yeah. Awesome place, Jim. Drinks. The uh, the view is beautiful in more ways than one. <laughs> so, yeah, it was all good. 
No, I see you working. Hey, listen, not only Andy Reid, not to drop names, but the late Kobe Bryant and I used to go there sometimes. Every once in a while, Kobe, the Mamba would hit me up. He's like, yo, fam, let's go to Javi's. And I'd always go. That is a great, great spot. You know, Chris, you touched on a number of things. I wanted to ask, yes. you know, you talked about how, and this is what you do. You're always very real about these things. You did end the year with a big win, so let me ask you about that. What was your biggest takeaway from that win, and how great was it? Because it was a challenging year and you had to make some adjustments, how great was it to end the year with a win like that at home? You know, it made up for all the all the miscues we had all year, Jim. And really what our philosophy was, with three, four races to go, we decided to change up, kind of like a football team, let's change up the offense. So we went from a running team, ground and pound, to, hey, let's, let's toss the ball in the air, and let's really try to prepare for the next season. And, hey, maybe we'll take a few steps back, maybe we won't. And lo and behold, it worked so well for us. We brought in some... Uh, uh, an outside uh, consultant, Lee Beard, a good friend of mine. And the team I have I've ha- I have, is really a great team. But we just needed a few things. And lo and behold, we won uh, the last race, dominated the last race. We qualified second, Jim, and went on to, uh, to just dominate the race. So it was great to close the year. Uh, on a high note, and as we get ready for uh, for next season, we really look forward to that. Cruz Pedregon joining us. I was going to say, Cruz, so what does that mean looking ahead? You made some changes. You made some adjustments. Clearly it worked at the end of the year. What does that say, and what does that mean for you next season going ahead? Well, I'll be honest with you. We're trying to go for a championship, Jim. My third. Uh, I feel good. Uh, lost about 17 pounds, I think, since I was on your show last. So I'm feeling good, feeling trim, feeling motivated. And really, it's like anything, Jim. I know you have horse race. You know, you race horses yourself. So it's like you have to have the rider, but you also have to have the horse. Uh, we're relying on the car to do the job, like our offensive line. We really need our team to put a good car underneath me in order for me to do what I have to do. So. Um, you know, I feel like I have the horse, the snap-on car is looking good, so I think we can compete for our third championship next year. Cruz Pedregon joining us. So, Cruz, you lost 17 pounds. I was going to say, you look great. How did you do it, and then what's that done for you in terms of performance? Can you feel it in the car? I can. You know, Jim, these cars are, uh, we have a minimum weight. Uh, it's at 2,600 pounds after the run with the driver. So we were close to 2,700 pounds. So we put the car on a diet. I put up, was put on a diet, so we got the car down to 40 pounds over the weight limit, which is about where you want to be because you have to put some weight on it. And I feel better uh, physically. I fit better in the car. These are real little cars, Jim. So uh, I think really overall it makes the car go faster. And I just started eating less, Jim. You know, you put people put food in front of you and you want to eat it all. I just started cutting my meals exactly in half. I said, all right, I'm going to eat this portion. And I'm going to leave the rest. It's hard to do, but, uh, you know, that's what you have to do. I love it. Cruz Pedregon joining us. Cruz, you mentioned that you've got your sights set on a third championship. Like, you and I have talked over the years, but when you broke in, when you broke in, if I said to you that one day you and I would be having a conversation and we'd be talking about 43 career wins overall, 87 career finals overall, a look at a possible third championship – What would you have said? I mean, was this the career that you envisioned for yourself and your team when you first got in? It really is, Jim, and it's exceeded it in some respects. Uh, I own my own team. I drove for uh, some great owners, Joe Gibbs, Coach Gibbs, drove for him for many years. And so for me to not only have these career wins and the team and the sponsors behind me, for me to be able to go on my own in in 1999 and succeed as an owner really is – has it was ex- exceeded my expectations, Jim? But you know, it's like everything else in in life, especially in sports. Uh, you have to put in the time. You have to grind it out. 
uh, you know, I listen to your show all the time and I listen to some of your interviews with some of your great sports personalities and they all say the same thing. It's about work, dedication, commitment, and just grinding it out. No, nothing's going to be given to you. You have to just stay the course and believe in what you're doing. And so uh, I'm very uh, fortunate, very proud that I'm here after all these years, Jim. And I know the jungle karma is alive and well for all your clones out there. I know we were took us a little a little longer after coming on your show several years back and uh so but hey jungle karma baby it's alive and well and here we are cruz pedregon joining us so cruz what's it like i mean you get that win at home obviously it's great to win at home it's great to win in front of your friends it's great to win in front of your family did you feel any clone support any clone love always always jim hey we race all over the country i can be in kansas city or uh epping new hampshire there's clones all over the country i love it uh, but winning here at home really meant a lot to me. I was a little emotional when they handed me the trophy down at the at the finish line. You know, we hop out of these cars, Jim. We're just finished winning a race, and then we're we get a microphone stuck in our faces, and we're asked to do this interview. So, hey, man, I was just like, man, the whole the whole season was right was pretty much riding on that one win, and to do it here at home. I grew up here near Chino. Uh, you know, great great support system. My family was there. My daughter was watching uh, from Pella, Iowa, on TV. So. Really meant a lot, Jim. And like I said, we're we're from SoCal, so are you. So uh, what a better place to, to end the season and win it. So great. Cruz Pedregon joining us. Cruz, you mentioned that you used to race for Joe Gibbs. I'm curious, you know, as somebody now, you're an owner, you're a leader, you lead from the front. Never been a better owner or leader than Joe Gibbs. What were some of your biggest takeaways from your time with him? His speeches, Jim, his ability to reach the room and, and really excite, uh, you know, the uh, – uh, you know, in his own way, he was very motivating. I, I could see why players wanted to play for him. You know, Jim, there's a guy out there, a guy by the name of Jeff Saturday. Actually, uh, they're calling him Jeff Sunday, who just recently took over, as all us NFL fans know, he just took over for the Colts. And, you know, there's something about a guy that can just speak and motivate people and get your adrenaline up. And that's what Joe Gibbs did. I see that a little bit of Jeff Saturday. I'm not trying to plug the Colts. I'm a Raiders guy, but uh, I see that a lot in, in coaches. I think coaches have to have that ability to uh, lead men and to motivate them, make them want to run through a wall. So uh, Joe was that way with us and uh, great inspiration, great guy. We still stay in contact. He just had a, a tragic loss in his family, but a great owner. He's a multi-time NASCAR uh, winning owner along with the Washington team, three-time Super Bowl. So uh, I, I learned from the best. Chopping it up, getting caught up with our guy, Cruz Pedregon. All right, so you mentioned that some guys just have it. Some guys know how to motivate a room. Some guys have that infectious energy. Cruz, you are a famous, diehard, silver and black Raider fan. Listen, like you, Cruz, Josh McDaniels was, and maybe still is, a big jungle guy. So I was pumped for the hire. Like, I believed in him. I believed in his vision. I'm not saying it's past tense. I know his football acumen is tremendous. I never would have expected, Cruz, to see that season come off the rails the way it has. Do you still believe in this coach and in this roster? Yes, I do, Jim. And, you know, uh, Joe Gibbs is 1-50. He tells his story all the time. Joe was 1-15 his first year with the Washington football team. And uh, hey, they were asking for his uh, his head, basically. And just think they didn't have social media. I think it was the early 80s. So I think Josh is one of those guys that will get it right. I'm, I'm glad the owner to hear the owner come out and support him. And But I think it's like a race team, Jim. It takes time to put the pieces together and get it all right. And so, uh, hey, we're going to hang tough with the silver and black. Uh, they have a great foundation, uh, great supporting 
support cast of the fans. So they're going to they're going to hang out with this guy, and I think he'll turn things around. Hey, Cruz, really quickly, like you, you talked about grind and commitment and what it takes. Like people sometimes say to me, hey, man, you're in the Radio Hall of Fame. Like how much longer do you want to keep doing this? And I always say, Cruz, until they rip the damn microphone out of my hands, I love doing this. I love the grind. <laughs> I love the work. I love the challenge. I'm guessing that if I were to ask you the same thing, you might give me some sort of variation of a similar answer. But let me ask you differently. Like I ask this of all great athletes. How will you know when it's time to walk away from the sport you love so much? Well, that's a tough question, Jim. And I know I don't try to put a time frame on it. I just uh, I know the cliche is uh, I'll know when it's time or, uh, you know, somebody will tap me on the shoulder. But, hey, I still enjoy the challenge of doing it. And I'm probably better than I've ever been physically at steering the car and driving the car down the track. I have so much experience. So uh, I don't know, Jim, I think. I think the finish line is maybe I'm rounding third base or second base, but uh, you know, I I've assembled it. It's taken me a lot of years to assemble this team and I want to bear, I want it to bear fruit so we can uh, get that third championship. After that, we'll see what happens. All right. So Cruz, you have always repped the jungle so hard, so hard. In fact, that you put the winner of the smack off on your car, Caleb and green Bay, is that decal still on the car or how long did it stay on the car? What is your process for that? Well, we kept it on for a couple of races after that. And, uh, uh, man, I tell you, the jungle means so much to me. And uh, Left and Laguna, uh, BIC, uh, Caleb and Green Bay, they've all, come, well, they've all come out to the track except for Left. Hey, Left, you got to get out, brother. Uh, but all your guys, uh, Vic and NoCal, the invitation's always there, bros. Love to hear you guys. You guys, I, I thought I had a wild idea of going on the smack off one time but i don't think i can uh, i don't think i can get the job done there jim i just enjoy it we grade it every time during the smack off i'm sitting there with my little cheat card i'm writing down all the all the guys and uh, i do want to get a shout out to my man uh steve carboni in tulsa there's another steve carbone that i'm friends with his, his name is peterbilt steve he's his name is the same as the steve carbone jungle legend uh goes way back with you jim so uh hey man it's awesome Cruz, you are the absolute best. This is what I'm saying. Like, nobody reps the jungle harder. And I love you for it, Cruz. I do. I love you for it. The clones love you for it. I want to make sure the clones get back. Now, clones, Cruz is repping this show so hard. He's putting the smack off winner on his rig. Cruz, this is not a condition, of course, but I know you've got tremendous merch. You have tremendous gear. I've got to think that you could hook the clones up for the holidays and Black Friday. Where do the clones go to rep you and your team and take advantage of these deals and get some gear? What can they do? That would be awesome. Just go to my uh, social media page. Uh, my guy, Caleb, will, will hook it up, and uh, we've got all kind of good stuff. Got some little Raider taste in there, but uh, hopefully I don't get in trouble for that, but I'd love to love to take care of the, the clones. Like I say, love the show. Smack off every year is a highlight of our summer, Jim. And so, uh, but uh, Rick and Buffalo, I I listened to his take the other day, Jim, and I'm with you. I love that guy. I think that guy. Every year, I grade him higher than you grade him at the end. But I love his shtick. I love his take. He's a little hard on the coach. That's a great coach. I think they lost their offensive coordinator, Rick and Buffalo. So be careful there. They're they're going to find their way and, and be strong. But uh, uh, but I, I really love to hear his uh, his uh, his his style. He's got good material, so he's going to get it one of these days. Get him win that. Did I or did I not say that there may not be another athlete ever who knows this show the way Cruz Pedregon does? Cruz, one last thought. You mentioned Caleb, the other Caleb, Caleb Cox. Yep. How is he doing, and what does he mean to you and your team? 
Well, Caleb is really why I'm probably on this show. He's the one that reached out to you, Jim, after all the years. Man, I remember you would be on at Mighty 690. And uh, I, I reference having you, you had Skip Bayless uh, on your, or actually sit in for you a couple of times. This is that many years ago. But Caleb's a great guy. He's, uh, he just recently got married, has a child, a young boy. So he's not on the road anymore. But Caleb is a big part of our team. Love him as a brother. And uh, he's all, he always has my back. He's a, probably a bigger jungle lover than I am and I'm pretty hard to beat in that respect so uh shout out to Caleb in uh, in Indianapolis big shout out to Caleb that's an amazing thing we just said about how Caleb pointed out or you knew that Skip Bayless did host this show he did used to be a guest host on this show way 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 back so that's how far back you go Cruz two-time NHR funny car world champion looking to make it three next year the driver of the snap-on tools Dodge Hellcat very 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 good friend of the program my brother I do love you great to have you on the show and so good to get caught up Cruz that was outstanding love you too Romy take care brother thanks for having us ah uh, ah uh, Brad Brad Welcome to the jungle. A tremendous Monday to you. My name is Jim Rohn. Great to be here. It is a short week, so what that means is... No, we're not putting our feet up. We're leaning into it. We've got a lot to get done in the next three days. Just because something is incredibly obvious does not mean that it still can't be amazing and incredible. Case in point, the last TD of the day yesterday. Anybody but Kelsey, but then again, what can you do about Kelsey? I mean, you gotta be kidding me. It's automatic. Anybody but Kelsey. Touchdown! You know, there's times where you can't just can't get my passes time. complete. I can't get my 60 goals. How am I gonna complete my passes? Not go for us. Jeez, it's the wind. Jeez, I'm getting touched. Whining babies in this league. It's windy as hell out there too, guys. You know. Guys, trying. I had a breakout chapstick. Come on, guys. See these? What are these? Mittens. Exactly. Come on, guys. Jim Trotter is joining us. Have you seen anything from Zach Wilson? No. His first 20 games to the first 20 games of Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell. And the numbers are almost identical. Sirianni said as much after the game. We have to win this game for right. For right. I, I love Frank Wright. I'm emotional because I, I love Frank Wright. I really do. Why is it always right? It seems like every week in the NFL, somebody's on the verge of tears. Him and I would be able to coach against each other. We got stuck in Rose Bowl gridlock for over two hours before we finally realized that there was not going to be a spot. And every single parking attendant the whole way down this golf course promised us that it's just at the end. Just keep going to the end. You'll get in. It's You're a savvy New Yorker. You bought that? Yes. Go to the phones. Can we do that? And I'm really excited that uh, Peyton Manning and Jeff Daniels seem to have lifted the uh, curse of Bobby Lane. Uh, all jokes aside, man. Anyway, Sac State won in a big game. Now number one in the nation. Followed up on Sunday with the Sacramento Kings host and the lackluster Detroit Bonaparte. Totally weak sauce. Shane Beamer. One of the themes or mantras last week was, let's rod. You know, all right, it's time to rod. Where are you taking it? Let's rod. Touchdown, San Francisco. Second touchdown catch of the night for Brandon Ayer. Right in the package. <laughs> he fires the football into the crotch of a poor, defenseless cameraman. I mean, why not have the O-line pick that cameraman up and give him an atomic wedgie? <laughs> Dr. Dave. Good, good. Just wanted to make the clothes in the jungle aware. Keep an eye out on Jeopardy today. You might just see me on there. What is don't give a damn? Correct. What is would not watch that episode if it was the last episode of any show ever on TV? Correct. What is there is no amount of money 
to get me to watch that episode? Correct. Nick Durst is joining us. How pleased are you with the way that Thad Young has stepped up? He was passing great from the high post, rebounding adequately at both ends. He just looks, uh, he looks fresh as a daisy out there right now. Smoke weed, tongue like Lane Kiffin. Baseball bat, get this guy a pickleball racket. Baseball bat. Get this guy a tennis racket. So you're not committing to Zach as you're starting? Not right now. Not until I'm done evaluating everything. We'll have some kind of weather platoon going on. If it snows, it's Snow White. If it's windy, it's Joe Flacco. And if it's sunny, it's Zach. Andy Staples is my guest. So I lost about 65 pounds. My family and I went on vacation in 2020, and I was looking at the pictures of it, and I looked like Charlie Brown. My head looked, looked so fat, it looked like Charlie Brown. Rat! And I was like, I don't want to be this person anymore. I'm not you, but if I were you, I would call me. Smack, 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 and I look over, and this broad is packing a fresh pack of cigarettes at the pump. Former Army veteran, Mr. Fierro. We're all thinking about you out here, so it's Charger Nation. Great work, bro. I apologize to Alvy for ever doubting his professionalism. Did Alvy ever... Ever cut a fresh steak off a, a, a cow after a, a bullfight in Mexico City? Wow, Mike. That's pretty wild. Misplaced love, I guess. What is your beef? I ought to clean their souls in napalm. These kooks take the good stuff and one or more before I get to the neighborhood. Stop it. For the first time in 17 years, anything is possible! Stop the hate. Kevin Willard is my guest. How do you pull that off? <laughs> Jim, I started drinking red wine just because I thought maybe that was the secret sauce of how <laughs> right. he, he constantly got better and better as the season went on. Cruz, Pedragon. The jungle means so much to me. And uh, Left and Laguna, BIC, Caleb and Green Bay. But all your guys, Bick and NoCal, the invitation's always there, bros. Edward Moron. Oh. Ballista rolls it in, Tim Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the freaking, freaking National, National Football League. League. This is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. Hemi Garoppolo. Where'd you see that, man? Slash football terms. Um, winning? Yeah, you don't want to know what I think. No, actually, we would like to know what you think. In Mexico! Unequivocally, yes. Uh, we're going to roll with Mike White. Brickin' for chicken. It's an honor to be here with you. Take care, brother. brother. Thanks for having us. What is, why did we even take that phone call? Correct. Good night now! Good night now!